0: Paso
1: Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Paso Apaso Podcast. Happy to be with you once again. Uh, My name is Miles, and we are here to share uh, news and conversations surrounding early childhood and the importance of those early years in uh, children's lives, as well as the role they play in our community and families. Um, Today, we have another wonderful guest, and uh, I believe we spoke before on this series. Um, and uh, would you like to introduce yourself?
0: Sure. My name is Haley Hines, and I am a researcher at the University of New Mexico Cradle to Career Policy Institute.
1: Wonderful. And yeah, would you like to share a little bit about what that means, the Cradle to Career Policy Institute?
0: Sure. So we're um, at UNM on main campus in Albuquerque, and we are... um, a research and policy organization, and so we do a lot of um, research projects about uh, family well-being in uh, out in New Mexico. Right now, we're doing a lot with early childhood and child care, although we've worked on things in um, higher ed and K-12 sometimes as well. Um, we have a lot of work going on in the early childhood world, um, and specifically child care. Um, And what we do is we do research projects. So we try to bring uh, research and data into policy conversations so that when policymakers and um, advocacy groups and community groups and everybody who's sort of working together to make early childhood work better, We try to be folks who can bring um, good research and good data to those conversations about, you know, here's what the data show. Here's what the research has found um, to sort of help everyone uh, have the tools and information they need to make uh, more effective policy.
1: Yeah, which is super important because, you know, politicians who do uh, move those things forward need information and data and people who are experts in certain fields to share that with them um so i'm sure they appreciate all the work you do as well and today you're bringing to us kind of an update on the things you're working on uh, as far as outreach to the community including our community here in taos and uh, there's three opportunities um, that have to do with you gathering information throughout the state and um, for those listening uh, stick around because all of them carry an incentive for participating in them and perhaps uh, of these three opportunities um, I believe you can participate in more than one, but keep an ear out for which of these three is something you'd like to get involved in uh, to reach out um, to Haley on and uh, share your thoughts and input based on what your life's looking like um, on these topics. Uh, Does that sound accurate?
0: Yeah, that sounds that sounds great. Um, and, you know, when I say we do research and data work, sometimes that means looking at the sort of data that the state has collected, (laughs) but sometimes it means asking families and childcare providers, um, and, and that's the data. Sometimes the data that we really need is asking, uh, families what's working for you, what's not working for you. And then we try to kind of systematically understand what we're learning, Mm um, and so we have several projects going like that right now where we're uh, out, trying to be out in, adult, in Delta Safeways, <laughs> trying mm. to be out in the field, gathering um, gathering information from the people who know, in this case, you know, families and child care providers. Um, so do you want me to, should I jump into talking about well, some of those possibilities? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, let us know. Um, so here's the first sure. of the three for those listening, uh, three opportunities, and here's the first one.
0: So I'm gonna start really general and then go to more particular. So this this opportunity is for uh, any family in New Mexico with children five and under. Um, So this is a family survey. And what we are trying to understand with this project is for families who have young children does the, does the child care available in their communities meet their needs? Mm. Is there enough of it? Is it the kind of care that they want? Is it culturally appropriate? Does it have hours? And um, so it's, and, and sort of if they were to, could wave a magic wand and have the child care that they would most hope for for their families, what would that look like? Because there's a lot of investment going on in child care right now. Um, you know, I think we're lucky to live in a state where a lot of um, pandemic recovery dollars and things are flowing to expanding and supporting the child care sector. But we know that not all families, you know, like one size does not fit all with childcare. Not all families want the same things. And so we hope that as more investment comes into the childcare sector, we can bring some helpful data about, you know, yes, we need to invest in, you know, centers with traditional hours. But what we really also need is nights and weekends, mm-hmm. for example, perhaps if that's what we hear from families in this survey. Um, and so really trying to hear from families about who's left out of the child care sector that we have mm-hmm. um and and just what families have to say about their experiences and this survey is i should say not just for families who use some kind of child care we also really want to hear from families who don't who stay home with their kids who use you know grandparent care um cuz we want to understand that too like if yeah. you don't use child care is that because um because you just don't want to and what you, you know, your system that you have is working great. Or do you wish you could use some childcare, but it's so expensive that it doesn't make sense for your family. Like totally. we kind of like to understand, we think there are probably some families who are very happy not using it, but maybe some families who would use childcare for the sector were a little different, if it were more affordable or um, you know, the hours were different or something like that.
1: Sure. So just to reiterate, um, if I can real quick, first hmm. opportunity, wanting to learn from you and family members uh, who take care of children who are under five. Uh, There's a survey and wanting to help learn about what do we want to see in our community as far as childcare? Is it enough? Are there some ideal situations or opportunities um, regarding uh, environments to bring your kids that don't exist? And then how can that information be gathered and used to influence where money goes in the future?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's one for all, if you're listening and there's a, um, you have a child five or under like this is uh, we would really love your input and so we'll link to that survey in the sort of show notes from this That's episode right.
1: yeah so if you pull up the Paso, Paso podcast on your podcast app or the internet there'll be show notes with links to each of these opportunities and um, if uh, you for some reason can't find those feel free to send me an email pasotaos at gmail.com p-a-s-o-t-a-o-s at gmail.com and i'd be happy to share that with them with you and now the next opportunity
0: Yeah. So this is the same, this is related to the same project. So the same questions I just talked about, about, you know, childcare is not one size fits all what's working for families. What's not in addition to our survey, which is for everyone with young children, we also are um, doing focus groups and interviews to go a little bit deeper with native American families with young children and families who live in tribal communities. So we, um, You know, our sense is that the needs and gaps and challenges are not the same for everyone. And that in particular, um, Native American and tribal communities may have very different childcare needs than the general population that need to be considered. Um, You know, I think there's been a lot of recognition of this and the creation of the new early childhood department um, and the creation of the Assistant Secretary for Tribal Early Childhood Education um, position. And so as part of honoring that, we want to make sure that we pay a little bit of special attention in this research to those Native American family voices. And so in addition to the survey, which is for everyone, we're also doing some additional focus groups and uh, interviews with uh, Native American families with young children. And so yeah. you can also take the survey, but we would also like to just go a little bit deeper and and do an additional, do some additional focus groups and interviews. So that's a particular opportunity um, for Native American and tribal families with young children.
1: Wonderful. And like you said, is that first one is open to everybody with children under five and under, and it's a, a survey. Essentially, they click mm-hmm. a link and fill in some information. This one, focus groups, meaning uh, conversations with mm-hmm. individuals who are part of the uh, Native American community and have young children. And um, I'll be happy and excited to pass this along to uh, T.Y. Babies and some of our early home visiting groups from the Pueblo, and they have a great um, early learning uh, committee uh, group that um, they'd likely be willing to share this with also. So in addition to being in the show notes, we will share those links as well. And we're, we're doing so great on time, Haley. We thought we were going to go over, but
0: <laughs> I know. Uh, we're
1: doing really well because we're already on to our third opportunity, which means that afterward, you might even have more time to talk.
0: Perfect. It's perfect. Um, so this, so the first two have been for families with young children. This is a little bit different because this opportunity is for um child care providers who provide child care in their homes. So this is specifically for home-based child care providers. And this is another study. It's also funded by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Both of these studies are, but it's the same funder. Um, And we are interested in how um, and to what extent uh, home-based child care providers access the child and adult care food program, which for those listening who might not be aware, is a federal program that reimburses home-based child care providers for some of the costs of providing healthy meals and snacks. So it's a, um, a federal program that aims to help make sure that kids in childcare settings are getting healthy foods and snacks. Um, but we know also that home and home based childcare providers um, are a really important part of our childcare sector in terms of that's where a lot of families use, especially always, but especially during the pandemic, a lot of families have turned to these smaller care environments. Um, and so we want to make understand a little bit more about how. Um, how home based child care providers connect to support services such as the child and adult care food program. And to, we are interested in talking to home based providers both who do use CACFP, this food program, and who don't, because we're interested in both things. We're interested in the experiences of providers who've used this program, who might be able to tell us, yeah, I use it, but it's, you know, it's really hard to do all the paperwork or it works really great. And I love and appreciate this program. It could be any, any mix of those things yeah. or providers who have chosen, you know, not to become sort of formally registered with the state who have chosen not to participate in some of these state systems. Um, Cause we really want to understand um what's behind that decision too and what leads people to decide to opt into the system or not opt into the system. Yeah. So we're really interested in getting a mix of both what we would call registered home providers, home providers who who are registered with the state and and often are using CACFP generally. Mm-hmm. Um, and those who aren't, those who are providing much more informal care. Cause we, we just like to to understand more about both of those lines of decision making, if that
1: makes Definitely. sense. Definitely, yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. And um, uh, again, just and in, I, yeah, go for it. I
0: don't think I said exactly what we wanted to do with these. I think I said a lot about the research questions, but this is also focus groups or interviews. Yeah. So these are conversations. Well, maybe these we'll are talk conversations,
1: about, and maybe we can share a bit about that. You know, kind of what will happen. This information, in you know, after we wrap up the third one, you know, because it is all connected in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, mm-hmm. again, just to uh, throw another. Um, rephrase on it. Um, this third section is a focus group. It's a conversation rather than just being purely a survey with people who are home-based child care providers. And as you said, that basically means taking care of kids who are not directly your own. Is that a good way to think about it?
0: Even if they are doing um, relative care, actually, but yeah, not your own. So it, right. Not your own children, but it could be grandparent care. Yeah, it could be grandparent or relative care for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, as long as you are providing fairly regular care, I don't think we're looking for people who, you know, babysit once a month while mom and dad do something, but yeah. people who provide that kind of regular child care, it can be for family members, but not people, not your own children in your own household, sure. if that makes
1: sense. And then in, in speaking with those individuals who uh, may take care of others, children, family members that are extended or friends, mm-hmm. um, uh, just, you know as a thing they do, or if they have a kind of, uh, registered more kind of official, if you will, home-based, um, child care program, um, whether in in them interacting with this food program, this is a lot about really accessing a nutrition program that's available to them. Um, I guess the official acronym is CACFP. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's about, as you mentioned, providing healthy food to, uh, to the children that are in the care and recognizing mm-hmm. there seems to be a movement around, around the state, including here in Taos, of recognizing that uh, center based or you know what people might consider traditional daycare early education settings are, are great and important and kind of like the the cornerstone in some ways are of, uh, of what 's available to people um, at the same time. People that take care of each other 's children at home is also incredibly important and happening and has always happened and how can um, those in any uh, area of that world um, Support those who are doing that um, with uh, reimbursements for nutrition and things like that. Um, it's something that our listeners may have heard of a couple episodes ago, and we interviewed Monica Trujillo, who locally is working on that, wanting to connect and, and connecting with people who do home-based care. Um, but it's a great conversation, and all of these do lead into uh, information,s whether it's qualitative or quantitative And what will happen with the feedback and the information you receive to kind of bring us full circle? Because we talked a little bit about that and the way in which Mm -hmm. it might educate politicians who can make better decisions about where money should go. Is that is there more than that or is that kind of it?
0: Yeah, I as researchers, um, we try to be researchers who are. who try to make our work really relevant so we are less the kind of researchers who you know kind of publish in a journal and that's it we we work hard to make sure that our Uh, the studies that we do and the sort of research and the things we learn end up in the hands of people that can use them. And so oftentimes that means making sure they're in the hands of, you know, folks in state government, folks in the legislature, and also um, sort of community organizations and advocacy organizations are sometimes able to make good use of the information we have to either advocate for evidence-based change or, to say, oh, well, our programming and our community organization, we could we could do better. We can see that, you know, families are saying they need this. So it's it is state officials and legislature. We do try to make sure that our our research findings get in the front of the right people there. And we partner really actively with um, with the state, certainly, and then and it's advocacy and community groups and making sure that everybody has the information so that we can come back and say, you know, what we really heard from families is that they need more care like this or mm. that they really value care like this. And so as we're making investments in child care, um, we should be thinking about that. We should be thinking about whether the investments are flowing to the places families need them or in terms of the nutrition project. Um, you know, we know that we need to support uh, a really a sort of well-supported home-based child care sector. We talked to these providers and here's what they said about, you know, how these systems work for them or don't work for them or, or why they choose not to participate. And, and so that we can think about what are the policies at every level, you know, including, um, you know, what are the policies at the federal level that are, that get in the way? Um, and what are, you know, the various, um, sort of sets of policies and structures and groups who need to know the information that we're hearing from families in the field and from home-based childcare providers.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, um, you know, making all the efforts you do to try to gather information from the communities across the state. Um, I'm sure it's not easy. And, um, all of the efforts uh, are, you know, always in progress, and hopefully little things like this discussion aired here in Taos and on our podcast help out. Um, and if you are not, you know, as a listener, if you're if you're not um, feel like the best match for some of this feedback that they're seeking, uh, to be proactive in your own community and state, pass this information along to someone else. Um, again, let them know, posotaos at gmail.com. Um, and uh, we hope to connect you with Haley and in this information and, and you can get your incentive. I think everybody that participates in each of them uh, is um, able to receive a $20 gift card. But really mm-hmm. the the larger um, output and outcome from participating in these opportunities is that you are helping to inform how to make our communities better. And that's why this podcast exists. That's why Haley's working. That's why you're listening because we are a community and we need to have information to share with each other so that we can bring that information up the chain to those who make the, the money and policy decisions and, and help us all out for a better state. So thanks so much for your time again, Haley. And uh, any last words today?
0: No, but just thank you so much for having me. And thanks to anyone who hears this and, and considers participating. We, we need to hear from you so that we can uh, so do our jobs better.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Uh, lastly, as, as I mentioned before, the, all these links and information will be in the show notes. Uh, so if you find the Paso Paso podcast on your favorite podcast app or just you know, search it on a web browser, uh, some people often refer to it as Googling something, uh, mm-hmm. you'll find it and there'll be links. Also, we'll put it to the blog of Pasotaus.org. Thank you again, uh, Haley, for your time and all the work you do. And, and we'll stay in touch about all your activities and hopefully uh, some good feedback comes from this conversation.
0: Great, thank you so much, Miles. Paso a (laughs) passo Podcast.